a BJJ Store Podcast Episode 11. Yeah, Episode 11, that's right. Um, with, uh, finally, with Gabriela Fetcher. Gabi, uh, thanks very much to be with us today. I'm here, uh, I'm Eduardo Dias, a fourth degree black belt, a pioneer of jiu-jitsu in Australia, uh, with uh, Anton Minenko, um, one of the most Australian re uh, renewed, like uh, talented, um, upcoming uh, jiu-jitsu practitioners and competitors. Um, thank you very much for being here with us today. Thank you to inviting me. It was my pleasure. It's going to be awesome to share a little bit of my life with everyone. And I hope to be in Australia soon to meet everyone in person, talk a little bit with the girls. It's going to be amazing. Oh, can't wait for that. Uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit sooner. Soon, soon we're going to be talking about this. But Gabi, um, can you tell us how did you start it, uh, your journey, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, and where did you start it and how, how do you, what make you start jiu-jitsu place? I was um, kind of trouble kid. I love putting myself into fights when I was a small girl, um, even being small because I was a bit like smaller <laughs> for sure. Um, but uh, I was 15 years old. I had too much energy. And I remember that my mom went to a spinning class uh, in the gym and like with the bike and doing classes and I went with her and right beside her class there was a guy uh, training jiu-jitsu back in time I used to love I still do but I used to love UFC so I kind of knew a little bit I knew where an arm bar was and he invited me to do like a trial class I did I was white belt didn't know anything else unless an armbar and I trained with a girl a blue belt and I tap her it was really nice I, I was from gymnastics so I have like a athlete body since I'm a kid so it was kind of easy for me to coordinate my body and the, the professor back in time got impressed he was like how <laughs> how you can do this just from watching uh, you have to start training. And then I asked my mom to start. And I start training in a really small gym close to my parents' house. I fell in love right away. I was doing three times a week. And then I asked to do every day. What Are you 15 years old when you were at that time? 15, yeah. Okay. Um, the gym didn't support like more than three classes a week. And I start searching for another gym close to my house. And I end up training with Leo Vieira. It was Braza Jiu-Jitsu. Mm -hmm. So I turned 16. I start training with him. I compete as a white belt juvenile. Uh, I turned 16. I start training with Leo a lot, like every day. And then I graduated a blue belt in 2007. So I was 17 when I graduated. It was awesome. Like this very start, it's when your eyes don't stop, you know, shining for, for everything. It's just amazing. It was, it was really nice. So, Gabriella, just going back a little bit before, um, a lot of the people we talk about, um, like on this podcast and talk with on this podcast, they always have like a history of a lot of other sports. 
And like just listening to like the first part of your story about how you started jujitsu, um, can can we just go back and do more of like an introduction? Um, like how did everything start? Like can can you just do a little bit more of an introduction of like your early life, especially to do with gymnastics? Because something that we hear a lot is a lot of the athletes or um, individuals that even reach the level of black belt, they always have like a really rich history of discipline and competing at a high level in other sports. Is that something that you kind of connect with as well? I am. Um, I started doing gymnastics when I was four. I was, as I was saying, an unstoppable kid. Uh, I used to just flip and jump all over. So my mom put me on gymnastics and I did uh, until I was seven. So I did four years training, three years training of gymnastics, four to seven. Yeah. And then I stopped and I started playing uh, soccer. Yeah. I think everyone in Brazil needs to play soccer. So <laughs> I played for um, seven years, maybe. I, tr- I did the trials for the Brazilian team when I was under 15. Yeah. And I come back to gymnastics after this time. So I, I, I'm always uh, related with sports since I'm really young. Um, in gymnastics, I compete. But because of the shape of my legs, uh, if I stand up, my knees doesn't touch each other. There is like a big hole between my legs. So every time I was doing the spinnings, the judge, the referee used to take out points of me being penalizing because yeah, penalizing me because of my because of the shape of my legs, not because of the move. Yeah. So in that time, I understand that it would be impossible to keep uh, doing gymnastics as a Olympic yeah. or as a professional. Yeah. yeah, I did just for fun because I really like to flip. <laughs> But then I start. Um, I use the I use the gymnastics to work in the circus. So I start training jiu-jitsu when I was fifteen, but I was already working in a local circus. So I had to mix jiu-jitsu and circus and circus for a while. Uh, I moved to Canada only to do circus, so I had to stop jiu-jitsu for one year, maybe. I didn't stop completely because I I I brought my gi with me. But I was training once a month, yeah. twice. Uh, but I'm always like all my life was related with sports. And then I give up completely on doing circus when I was 24. That Ricardo Vieira come to he I was in Sao Paulo working, and then he came to Sao Paulo to give a seminar. I went in his seminar and he asked me, What are you doing with your life? I said, uh, I'm working <laughs> with circus. I don't know. And then he he asked me, hey, do you want to come to Rio de Janeiro and be a professional jiu-jitsu athlete? And I said, yes. So it was when everything changed. I give up on circus. I give up on everything. And I started doing jiu-jitsu only for being an athlete. What level of... Um... Brazilian jiu-jitsu where you were at the time. So at 24, when when um, you were asked to go and teach, were you already a black belt at that time? No, I was a purple belt. Uh, I got my purple belt in 2013, yeah. and he invited me to go in 2014. Yeah. 
So I moved there in the end of the year as a purple. And I start like training as much as I could. I thought that I was a good purple belt, but when I real <laughs> when I arrived there, I realized that I had to train a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's always more to learn, yeah. So, um, were, were you competing already before that? Before you were asked to go on and teach and train there? I did the worlds uh, as a juvenile, but the one in São Paulo. Uh, and then I compete as a juvenile white belt. When I turned to blue, I did my first tournament as an adult and blue belt. And I remember because I was like playing standing you know, stand-up game and the girl jumped in a fly arm bar and I tap in 10 seconds. Uh, it was terrible, actually. But I remember the girl's name. And eventually we, we could mad each other. And I trained with her and I told her this is because of the flying armor. (laughs) (laughs) And I did another tournament as a blue belt after years uh, because I was looking for my my purple belt. And I remember I did the trials to a DCC. And Leo, because you can choose, I didn't, the professional one, you can choose like a beginner level. Uh, or advanced level. I did the beginner level, and Leo was like, "If you win and hurt someone, I'm gonna give you your purples." Like, but he was like being fun, like making fun of this, uh-huh. and I won and I got my purple. <laughs> um, where, where, um, so when you, like, you now nowadays, like, you had many titles. You're a professional jiu-jitsu athlete. You may have many titles under your belt. Um, what advice would you give for um, female athletes that are just thinking about competing or just starting this journey of competing? Uh, what would be your advices to them? To be, uh, to be honest, like uh, my life changed after I won the world title uh, in open class division because it makes you believe that you can do it. You know, like, um, so when people ask me about advices, um, the only thing that I need to say to everyone is to not give up. Because if you believe that it's going to be possible, it's, it can be possible. How a girl with f- 53 kilos could be the world champion as like in an open class division. It's not common at all. But just because I believed and I was there, it worked. So uh, for, for all the girls that are starting to compete, usually we are afraid of what people will think about it. Like how my coach will, what, what he will think about me if I lose. He's going to think that I don't deserve this belt. He's going to think that I'm not training enough. So most of the people are, um, are concerned about what people will think about pe- the people, you know, like what people will think about me. And this, it's what makes you afraid of going. So yeah. just don't think about this at all. Because as a coach, now I understand that I don't care if I the person happened in 10 seconds. We, we, the last thing we're thinking is about that, you know. But when you, shouldn't you, yeah, when you shouldn't, you think that everyone, oh my God, he's thinking about me because I tapped on this training or... Oh, I didn't, yeah. But that's the last thing we have. We're just happy that they go into the competition or they come into train or they're having a good time. Absolutely. 
And this is my point, you know, because I start coaching in fight zone and going with everyone to the tournaments because unfortunately, like the small tournaments in Hue, we don't have as many black belts competing. And every time I put my name on it, there was no one. So <laughs> I was much more as a, a coach than a, an athlete. Mm -hmm. And to see everyone going there and competing for me was awesome. And one of the guys looked at me and was like, ah, I'm sorry, I lost in 10 seconds. I'm like, hey, it's okay. You just got your, your brown belt. Yeah. Oh, I feel ashamed. What do you think about me? Hey, don't worry. Like people are so worried about this. And it's the, it's the last thing that we will think about it. Sure. Indeed. Indeed. Do you want to ask a question? Um, yeah. So something that I want to kind of ask as well is like, what was your progress and like your experience? Like as you started becoming um, a coach and a more uh, serious coach as well, like did you start off t teaching like the kids classes or children's classes? How did you like, how did that kind of journey kind of happen? Um, when I was a Brown, I asked Ricardo to start teaching a girl's class only for girls. So um, because I used to go with him in all his seminars, whatever way Ricardo go, I was going after him. I had a lot of experience on seeing how he teaches or the way that he explained the situations, uh, the way that he put the concept into the positions. So when I started teaching as a Brown, only for girls, I was feeling really confident about it. And Ricardo moved out of fight zone in the end of 2017 and he needs someone to start teaching and I was there uh, so eventually I start teaching only the girls and kids and then the adults only at the night time night time and then everyone like even the athletes in the competition class yeah. it was amazing for me to have this opportunity as a girl uh, coaching and being a leader of a team, it was it was awesome. Of course, in the beginning, I had a lot of a lot of problems because uh, people think that because we are girls, we are not able to do it, or because I can't beat everyone from the gym because I'm small, I'm not able to be a coach. But I had time enough to prove myself, uh, going with everyone for the tournaments, working as hard as hard as I could, and showing that. I have knowledge enough to understand jiu-jitsu and doesn't matter who is there. I always helped, you know, so it was really nice uh, progress. Uh, I think I grow a lot as a person understanding that there is different ways to behave with the athletes because uh, with me, it's okay. Only pohada, you know, if Ricardo comes to me and start yelling at me, saying whatever, I can't handle it. <laughs> but eventually, I understand that people don't work in the same way. If I yell at a small girl, maybe she's not going to be able to come back. She's going to be frustrated. So I start understanding more about people. Yeah. I did a, a psychologist course for athletes to understand how they think, what should I what should I do as a coach, what I can do as a coach. And it was it was a really nice experience. Like right now I feel really comfortable about having my own gym and 
coaching my own students. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting um, kind of journey of anything because when you start anything new, it's always um, unfamiliar or uncertain and, and you start to learn everything as you kind of like go down that path. But it's just interesting for me to hear um, like especially talking about you doing like a course to do with psychology and understanding how to communicate and stuff like that. And that's something that I think me in particular, having a very similar kind of idea of like of training and coaching, um, you know, competing in rugby and other things at a fairly high level as well. It's, it's never about the person's feeling. It's about like the end goal. Now that's great if you're an athlete as well, but for the you know, the main majority of the gym or the, the general um, you public. Know, public that come here to train, like <laughs> it's not really what they're here for. They're here for to enjoy and to, you know, um, build a bond and, and this kind of like brotherhood or, or family kind of um, scenario with, you know, other people that are on the same kind of journey as, as them, like learning themselves and learning jujitsu. And that's something that I've always struggled with as well, you know, being, um, you know, just keeping in mind that, it, then their goal is not the same as mine and that's okay and you don't have to force them into growing or improving or whatever it's it, they're going to take their own time to learn and get the things that they want out of jiu-jitsu and and this scenario but that's something that's interesting for me to listen to um particularly because that shows like a, a very deep um sense of accountability to recognize that maybe i'm not doing well in this area and you go and look for something yourself to go and do this course and and like find a, a better way to do something so that every, everyone is better, everyone gets a better situation out of it. So that's really interesting to, to listen to. Because I, I don't think many people, um, like even high level coaches and stuff would would um, be able to kind of like admit that or, or, or say that type of thing. So that's yeah, yeah, like, very interesting. I, I understand that um, because I wasn't competing, because of the pandemic, I wasn't competing, I was only training. What started happening with me, it, I was competing against my students. Yeah. yeah. So if someone just uh, is training more like flow and I was training, I was going hard, I start like, what are you doing? Why you're losing your time? Why are you not training? So eventually I was like, hey, hey, this is my problem. You know, I had to go deep inside of me and understand that I can't compete with my students. They as you say, they, they need to have a good time. They will have their own time to learn. So because I was uh, already in, in like uh, in the pandemic, I couldn't do anything. Yeah. I started looking for this and I searched for an online uh, communication course. It's like psychologist sports. Yeah. And I did. And it was amazing because it improved so much the way that I talk with uh, my students the way that I understand they 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 taught their own time you know it was really nice and it's it's I think this is more like a girl thing that we are more able sorry to say <laughs> but we are more able to um, see what we can develop and admit that we are not fully prepared and just search for something that can help us I th I'll, I'll challenge that. I think that um, most most people in general are not comfortable with that, it, male or female. I think like the majority of people are, are, like you said before, they live this attitude that you talked about before, where they're afraid of, um, you know, being less than or, or afraid of 
you know, failing or afraid of, you know, letting people down or letting themselves down. I think that's actually where it comes from. Um, Like, I think there's only a small percentage of people that can take enough ownership of, you know, their flaws and their issues and actually do things about it. So I I don't know if that's more men or women, but I just think it's a very small percentage of people overall. The the greater majority just kind of put up with things or go by or ignore it. That's right. And yeah, it's just interesting to hear, um, you know, your perspective on that because we've, we've talked to a lot of different people and, and this is something that always comes up. People that do well in life, people that do well in jiu-jitsu or as an athlete or a competitor, there's one thing that they mu- they all must have and that's a, a deep uh, um, sense of accountability for their, their issues, their flaws, their shortcomings. And that's the only way you get to that point in life or get to that level. So... You, you have to acknowledge these, you know, failures or things that you suffer with and learn how to work on them and improve them, yeah. Well, Gabi, there's another fact as well. Um, so as soon as you put yourself to a new challenge, right, which in your case was to teach the, you know, started with the kids and then suddenly you're in a, uh, the Brazilian headquarters of one of the most famous gym in the world, uh, which was in a male-dominated arena, right? Uh, I've, I've trained there before. I know how it is. It's very super intense training. And uh, I, I imagine how much challenge you have to, to kind of like uh, cope to put yourself in the position. Um, I started here ladies only classes maybe a year ago. Uh, and I challenged myself to, to be the coach, like to try to deliver a little. But you have to do twists. There is change to be addressed and uh, you should be never uh, satisfied. You should always, I think that's uh, something very important for uh, anything that you do in life. It could be a coach or a business, uh, a business or, or an athlete. You should never be satisfied with your results today. You always have to be pushing the boundaries. But people get pushed and like to be pushed and, and answer to these pushes differently. So you have to be super sensitive to kind of touch people in different ways, you know? Yeah. That's the, the, after 15 years of teaching, probably more than 20, that's where I started to start to understand, you know? Um, I was, uh, when you're saying that you've been jumping and uh, before when you're doing the circus and when you start training, uh, you're jumping and flipping, I'm thinking, well, that sh- probably was a perfect marriage with uh, Leonardo Vieira's style, you know what I mean? He probably got, oh my God, <laughs> this is perfect, come yeah. over here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I still like to do a lot of flips during my fights. <laughs> acrobatics, yeah. Very acrobatic jiu-jitsu. Yeah, they, you know, like, they're super impressive, you know what I mean? Like, I think uh, Leo Vieira, for example, at the time, um, like, I, I remember training and Leo Vieira was a brown belt and everyone, I was training and he was training and everyone that were training, pretending they training to look at his training, you know what I mean? Because it was so amazing. I think he, his style was, at that time, it was not seen before. You know what I mean? Like it was something completely out of magic, you know? Kind of recreation of jiu-jitsu. Yeah, like um, for me, Leo and Ricardo, they are completely different in the perspective that they have about jiu-jitsu. The way that they see jiu-jitsu is completely different. Like... And but now the flips and everything got more uh, much more used. You can see like um, Renato Canuto doing a backflip during a 
no gi fight. Yeah. I had to watch that thing like a thousand times and was like, I need to do this. <laughs> it was yeah. awesome. So you see much more often now the flips. But back in that back uh, in that time, I imagine that was something completely different and completely new. But even though when Leo and Ricardo are training together against each other, everybody does the same. We pretend that we are training, but everybody's watching. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear. Um, but Gabi, um, what challenges like did you face uh, when you started jiu-jitsu? What challenges like uh, you you like your light light lightweight person? What were the challenges that you faced when you just started jiu-jitsu? Um, like, did you, because I, I probably, uh, you wouldn't have many girls at the time to train with as well. Um, so what were the challenges back then? And also, uh, in, into this question, I would like you to, to let us know about the scene, the scene of the uh, female jiu-jitsu growth around the world. Like, I know you're now in Ireland, you travel all over the world, uh, teaching seminars, etc. So I just would like to see your view nowadays, please. Okay, um, first, when I started in this small gym close to my mom's house, my parents' house, I was the only girl. The first challenge that I faced through was uh, understand that nobody's touching my body on purpose. <laughs> They need to touch my body to me be able to do a jiu-jitsu. So um, I was understanding much more the space because I didn't want it like people close to me, you know. I had a kind of like, this is my space. You're not allowed to come closer. And with jiu-jitsu, you understand much more about your body and about yourself. You know, back in time, I understand that I had a lot of issues with my body. I didn't like the shape of my body because I was strong. So it was, uh, I, I was facing these challenges when I was a teenager that understand that it was okay to train and you know, there was nothing wrong and with getting close and getting connect with someone. So for me in the beginning was awesome because I experienced this as a teenager, but I can see a lot of girls having the same trouble, you know, like first class mount position, go to an armbar. Every, every girl is like, what? <laughs> mount? So... Yeah, now I understand um, much more on how to introduce a girl into the sport because I had the same issues when I started. Um, this was a big, big challenge back in time. After I fell in love with jiu-jitsu, then it was easy to understand how the philosophy of the sport is. I had Michelle Nicolini as a black belt. Uh, I think she was already a black belt training. So I had someone ready to admire. When I moved to Laos uh, Vieira Academy, I had a lot, a, lot, uh, a lot of girls training back in time. So it was awesome. And Michelle was there as a black belt. But um, when I moved to here, I had Caterini, Caterini Fujo, the one with the dreadlocks. She was a, a purple belt as well. So we kind of stayed together and did all the tournaments together, traveling together. And eventually she moved to, to America. And then it was only me. 
So I passed through this time when I was the only girl training with 50 kilos and the guys, the lightest guys was like 70 kilos. So I had to learn how to feel pleasure again because come on, we like when we won the roles. <laughs> we like, come on. And I passed through all the time that I was like in, during training, I couldn't feel great because all the technique that I was trying to learn didn't work. So I remember until so much bigger and stronger. And yeah. yeah. So I remember until now um, when the beating bolo came up, I start doing right away and I could drill the technique, but I couldn't put into trainings because every time I put the De La Riva and I tried the guys like smashed me. So eventually they had to learn how to train with me as well to help me to develop. But I was trying like three months in a row, only De La Riva beating bolo, De La Riva beating bolo and nothing. And, and then I went to Sulamericano as a brown belt. I went to a Sulamericano tournament. And the first thing that I did, Del Hiva beating Bolo, took the girls back, submit. So I felt really like proud of myself because you, um, you learn how to feel pleasure. And this took me a while. So now, even though if I'm training with someone, I start smiling People ask why you're smiling during training, because I can say I can tell you that the guys start playing easy because I'm small, because I'm light, because I'm a girl, and then eventually he can do anything, and then he start increase his strength during training. So I start smiling because for me is when I start winning the role, even losing. It's like hey, okay, now it's getting interested because he needs to use his strength too win the round or whatever past my guard so it was a progress i remember crying every day in the mat being frustrated 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 frustrated, frustrated yeah thank you <laughs> about myself about not uh developing about not learning about not be able to do anything and then with time i understand how will be my pleasure will be you know like here in Ireland, there's a lot of girls training and it's awesome to have the opportunity to, to train with high level girls. I had this opportunity only when I was going to Worlds because then all the girls from Shekimachi were training together. And it's really, it's really good. It's completely different to train with a girl uh, because they are really flexible. They are fast as well. So it it was nice it's it's really nice when i have some to have someone that is an athlete like, like fion training with me every day i can like learn a lot it, it's really good uh, you touch a really interesting point um we do uh ladies only class um twice a week uh and it's growing once since we started doing that like started to grow a lot the numbers and what i observed is that it became like a sanctuary so they come in, they have like a WhatsApp group. So it really um, made it a lot easier for them to start doing jiu-jitsu. And I really liked the point you made that it's actually a really good point for the girls with training between themselves becomes a lot easier to apply techniques and, and actually see your involvement in jiu-jitsu. And um, 
there are some girls that and also then train with the guys train with everyone you know it's great for everyone everyone gains out of this training everyone can be technical and know how to train regardless your weight that's a super um ultimate goal in jiu-jitsu i guess but it's important um, lesson to learn yeah. it's important lesson to learn but i, I guess like it's super important having I, I found it here at least like having these ladies only as a because jiu-jitsu um we have a it's just started to grow here with the the the, the girls right so having this space for them to come in feel safe and and start enjoying jiu-jitsu um having a more graduated girl we have a graduated girl that helps teach the classes as well so that was very good that that started to make it a lot of growth and the other thing that's making helping them a lot is that I, I told them that I was going to bring you here too. So they've been training, waiting for you, Gabby. <laughs> so let's hope when um, COVID um, give us a chance, you know, and uh, open the, Australia opened the borders again. Um, yeah, we're waiting for to have you here with us. That would be amazing. Uh, this is an amazing place and uh, it will be a privilege to be because I always, I've been here for about 20 years and I always brought many friends and people that I related with because I always thought that was nice to share the culture and the values of jiu-jitsu uh, rather than have a person here for three hours for seminar and then, you know, goodbye. But also stay, teach seminars, teach a couple classes, train with us, go have a meal with us. You know what I mean? Just that cultural mix is so good, so important. And the person gets to know the place as well, etc. So looking forward to, to have you here hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, just like um, they had a, you had the, a, a role model to look, look up to um, when you were, you know, coming through the belts of jiu-jitsu. I think a lot of girls in, um, in at this gym, you know, when Eduardo's been mentioning you and stuff like that, they, they look up to you in the same way. And, you know, that maybe their goal is not to be, you know, a world-class athlete, but they still see somebody that's achieved so much and done um you know, amazing things within the sport and, and uh, just in life in general, and you know, that's yeah, motivating and inspiring for them. So, yeah. I It'll be amazing. It'll yeah. be amazing. They will love that. They can't stop talking already. So after the, the podcast, oh, my God, they'll send you the I'm ticket. I'm really excited. I'm really <laughs> excited to go. Um, I think Australia is amazing. My sister lived there for a while. So I'm, I'm really excited. And I like like this thing that you were saying about going and sharing a little bit of your culture, getting the people to know you a little bit more than three hours of a seminar. So um, this is one of the things that I like it most. There is a girl now, uh, There is she's from Germany. She was in Brazil for two weeks because of the COVID. She was training there with her husband. And it was the same thing. She get to know me because I was there coaching. And now that I'm here, the first thing that she said was like, you have to come to my gym. You have to pass sometimes like some time here with me because I want my girls to know you. So it's really nice how the jiu-jitsu community is because once you start knowing each other, the girls start knowing each other. It's so easy to be like in contact, to be attached and to, you know, because we have the same mission that is make jiu-jitsu even bigger, is try to pass our knowledge and make more people start training. And this vibe that jiu-jitsu has, it's like, it's amazing. 
Absolutely. It's very unique compared to a lot of martial arts, I think. Like, I think this is one of the only martial arts where people genuinely, like, enjoy helping and sharing information. There's, I think, like, it, it happens in other martial arts too, but I think it's uh, a, a lot less, um, like, inclusive. Like, it, there's people that are of a high level in other martial arts, judo, boxing, kickboxing, they, they kind of spend time in their own kind of niche groups and things like that but it's not as it's just not as open and friendly and I, I don't know if that's the you know the brazilian lifestyle that that's kind of shared that kind of vibe and stuff like that and and the roots of um you know brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and how that's kind of developed but yeah it's it's something unique i think it's um like there's always ego and and and, and like mental difficulties for people like like you're talking about with the heavy guys having to learn how to train with you properly and stuff like that because nobody likes losing but I think it's even still like it's so much more inclusive and, and, and sharing and, and friendly and open than a lot of different pursuits or sports or martial arts yeah and this humility as well Gabi of like you someone coming and say oh can you show me this move how did you how did you submit me here I think that's so beautiful like um Arrogance is one of the worst stupidities in the world, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you already know everything. Like, that's the way you're going down. Like, if someone, regardless of the belt, if they submit me, like, oh, and I haven't seen the position, and I will ask them for sure, regardless, you know, I don't care. I just want to get better. That's why I'm doing this. So I think the Brazilian culture is a, is a bit like that. It was really nice that you were saying about this because I teach a seminar in Sao Paulo before I came here, and I was showing a different move. And the professor is like a four degrees back black belt. And he was doing the move. And then in the end of the class, he was like, hey, this is the, this is the first time that I, that I see this. Like, you know, and he was saying this for his students. So everyone, everyone was impressed because it's, it's hard to someone show up with something completely new. But for me, it was amazing because every, everyone was like, wow he he's doing he's he he didn't know you know and in the end he was like doesn't matter the color of the belt if someone has something new to teach let's be ready to learn you know it is and you know what like i appreciate this in life if i go somewhere i ask a question to someone even outside of jiu-jitsu And the person, instead of bullshitting and try to say something they don't know, they just tell me, I'm sorry, I don't know, but I'll find out. I love that. I already, already want me, you know, completely. Just saying. It's always nice to do it. Uh, just like one point, like going back to something else, but um, we were talking about coaching and stuff like that before, but th I think this is something that you can look at in general in terms of life and stuff like that. Like everything that you take on, whether it's new or not, is a skill. And like when, when you're trying to improve in things, the more time you spend doing that thing, the better you get at it. But the thing that a lot of people approach any pursuit with is they have like this idea that because they are good at something else or they put a lot of time into something else, that somehow that's transferred into the new thing. And I think that's something that is uh, like important to kind of note because you talked about it a bit with the coaching stuff is no matter um, how good you think you are, like when you start something, you're a beginner. You don't know how things work. And as long as you're open to receiving information from everywhere and, and similar to like the story you told about your seminar, you're always going to be able to learn new things and improve. But particularly when you're starting out, if you come with the attitude um, that you're already, you know, half full in terms of 
information, you're already going to close the doors to a lot of things that you need to take in to get good at the thing you want. So I think that's just particularly to do with coaching. That's something that for me has been like a very difficult kind of thing. And, and um, I think uh, something that we talked about before about just having a different mindset to the general population is something that's really made it difficult for me to kind of um, take in the lessons that I need to learn for jiu-jitsu and becoming a better coach and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just really interesting to hear your point of view on everything and, and yeah, it's nice to listen to on all, on all the points. Yeah. Gabby, um, just to... Um just, just, uh, you just moved to Ireland right now. Um, um, that's a big move, right? Um, what are your plans right now? I know you're going to say you're going to come to Australia and <laughs> here I'm selling Australia again. Eh? <laughs> uh, but look, just let us know how you, how are your plans now for, for the near future? You know, like you're going to, you plan to stay in Europe right now. You're working in a gym in Ireland. Like what are your plans right now, please? Um, I was thinking about tournaments when I come here because it's really hard in Brazil to make enough money because the real is not uh, that value. So I want to go to World Snowgi. I want to go to Abu Dhabi Pro, World, World Pro. And I now that they have the Worlds with Gi as well in December, I want to go as well. How about Pan Pacific <laughs> in Melbourne? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's bringing the same money, Eduardo. It's three big tournaments um, are still going on this uh, half of year. Awesome. I want to be able to do it, and being in Europe just make uh, it just help to make more money or money enough to go. Uh, each seminar that I'm able to teach or private classes, I can make much more uh, comparing with dollars and with euros to be able to go for these tournaments. So um, regard, regard, regardless on having a really good training, partners training and a really good coach here, uh, my initial move uh, was come to be able to compete. Uh, I still want to do Worlds as a black belt. I've, I've messed up the last, uh, the last time because I, I broke my wrist and I wasn't able to compete. So I really want to be able to compete in a world as a black belt to see how it's going to be. I think I have chances on winning. So that is why <laughs> I think if I push myself um, hard enough, I can, I can make it. So this is uh, the goal of the year. Try to go there and be a world champion as a black belt and being in Europe, just make me more uh, connected with my coach with Ricardo because he's in Portugal um, helped me to get enough money to travel now I just need to wait about the COVID situation if uh, America opened the borders I'm going to try to go to Worlds Nogi in, in October but I don't know if I need to still need to do quarantine in some place then it's going to be hard to go because of money and then I'm just going to wait until December and hopefully the borders will be open and I can go there and compete. So this is the, the plan for this semester. It's like try to uh, make enough money to go for those tournaments. And I hope by the end of the year, I will have my black belt gold medal 
and I will be able to go to Australia. Please, please, please. That would be amazing. Um, well, I'm pretty sure that um, we have a common friend that used to be a student, really good childhood friend of mine, uh, Renato Perdigão. Kiss for you, my friend. Yeah, kiss and a uh, big hug. And uh, he always um, talks really well, highly about you, about you, Gabi. He says you're an amazing coach. So we're here waiting for you. I can see you now. Um, we will connect really well. I can see you a great person. You know what I mean? Like it will be an amazing journey to have you here with us. Uh, thank you one more time for your time. Uh, I think it will be super inspiring for everyone and for all the girls that are doing uh, jiu-jitsu here in Australia. And uh, we're counting to have you here as soon as we can. Um, your final considerations as well, Anton's final uh, considerations. Just, just one thing, like, before you go, if there's anything that you do, like, to, to help with, like, the money stuff, if you sell any courses or anything like that, if you, do you want to mention them or? Yeah, like, I, I wrote a, an ebook on how to improve your flexibility, like, routines, flexibility to improve your guard. Because um, I think when you can, uh, if you can be more flexible, you can range much more, you know, like, so I developed three routines. Uh, I wrote in English and in Portuguese. There is a YouTube videos and I'm selling these programs to help, of course, raise money for the tournaments. Where can we find them? Where can we find we, we can, If you can send the links to Eduardo, we can put them in the description of the videos and stuff as well. Nice, nice. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, in my website, I, I made a website. Unfortunately, the website is in Portuguese, but the ebook uh, part is in English. I still need to work um, to put the website translate to two languages, yeah. but this takes a lot of time <laughs> and I'm not that good at technology, so I need help. <laughs> we all need help. Uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Renato, as well, Brucey. He is a really nice friend. Um, because of him, I get to know you. So I just, I can't thank enough. He's a really nice guy. He's amazing with me. And he gave me opportunity to be his coach. We trained together as a private classes. And he was really open to learn different moves. I'm just super uh, grateful about him putting you in my life. Uh, thank you for the opportunity of sharing a little bit of myself. I hope I, we can meet each other soon. It's going to be a pleasure. Uh, it's really nice to see how jiu-jitsu grow up and how there's jiu-jitsu everywhere. And can't wait, can't wait to go. Thank you, Gabi. Much appreciated. Uh, have a lovely journey and uh i wish you gold uh on these these <laughs> comps that you're going all right good luck yeah all the right. best we're together thank you guys thank you all right thank you bye-bye bye-bye thank you